Hello and welcome to Around the League from UGAForce.com. This is the weekly show where we talk about every game in the conference and give you our insights, give you our opinions, just set the table for another great week of SEC football season that is zooming by at this stage. My name's Dane Young. That's Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focused. And as always, we're joined by Jim Donnan, the former Georgia head coach, the former Marshall head coach, the former Oklahoma offensive coordinator, a lot of other coaching job titles that I don't have time to fit in here at this point. Uh, but he's a college football Hall of Famer, and we're not. So uh, that, that's one reason that we want to make sure we get his insight on this show. We are presented by Connor Grading and Landscaping. Just a perfect time for you to look at your yard, see what needs to have some work done on it with some of the rain that's happening around the southeast right now in northeast Georgia. Call the folks at Connor Grading and Landscaping. Go check out their website and uh, see what they have going on. That's connorgrading.com. We'll talk about them more later in the show. Guys, I kind of want to just start with uh, we're in the middle of November now, and the SEC East is determined. There are some things at the bottom of the SEC East that have been a little wonky, Florida being right there among them. But the SEC West, I, I thought it's a it's an apocalypse scenario, Brent, but I did see technically Arkansas could still win the West if like 40 things happen. It's, I mean, it is, and it's amazing that it is because it's usually obviously just you know, rubber stamp Alabama, and if it's not Alabama, it's some generational team. Uh, but I still think Bama's going to take care of their business, uh, but I think it's going to be interesting. That game at Auburn, and even, and even against Arkansas, could be interesting for them because of the way they played. Coach, do you see the SEC West getting kind of interesting in the last couple weeks here? Yeah, the thing about uh, this Alabama team, anytime you start to have injuries with a team that's not that dominant anyhow, then some of your warts come out. I mean, they, they really did uh, pass protect very poorly and couldn't get any running game. But you got to give credit to LSU for selling the ranch. They got nothing to lose, and they really got after them. But uh, they got to relook at what they're doing if uh, that center's not ready and, and find a way to – you know, protect Bryce Young and and start uh, being a little more explosive because their defense is not going to be able to shut people down like they did LSU. I mean, they're, they're going to have trouble uh, against, uh, the, uh, you know, Arkansas. I think New Mexico State, certainly they'll shut them down. But then Auburn, like you mentioned, uh, like Brent mentioned, uh, playing over there, you know, a lot of strange things happen. I, I think our, uh, Bo Nick certainly plays a lot better at home. But uh, their defense at, uh, at Auburn is just tailor-made for uh, Bryce Young to cover up. I mean, th that they can't pressure the quarterback. They can't play the ball in the air. But uh, they do a good job of getting off the field sometimes if teams can't throw the ball in the seams. Uh, you know, so I think it'll be a good game. But I still think Bama will probably, you know, roll tied into the SEC championship game. Well, and Alabama is the first game on the gauntlet this week. So uh, 11 Central Time, noon Eastern, New Mexico State playing number two, Alabama. It's on the SEC Network. What do you look for in a game like this, Brent, where obviously the talent is going to win out in this game? It would be crazy if it didn't, but Alabama has its own warts. Oh, yeah. But like Coach said, it's pass protection. Because when you look at Bryce Young, He's number one graded quarterback in the SEC. He's number two in passing yards and number two in uh, completion percentage behind Will Rogers. And he's number one in touchdowns. But, 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 he's been sacked at least three times in four of the past five games. He's pressured, been pressured on 36% of his dropbacks. And they, Alabama, lead the power five in terms of number of unblocked pressures. So guys who are just free rushers coming after their quarterback. He's done a phenomenal job 
of getting you know away from pressure. I think he's only been sacked on about 15% of those pressures. But they have to fix that and fix that in a big way if they're going to move into these next two games with a, even the slightest bit of you know confidence in that offensive line. Yeah, that's well said. Some really good stats. And, and you got to just look at this team and evaluate. I'm sure Coach Saban and staff uh, got to figure out some way to maybe go a little bit more 12 personnel and keep two tight ends and help or do something. But the receivers are ha having a hard time separating too. I mean, they don't have the guys they had before that, uh, you know, you can talk about it ad nauseum about who they lost, but Bryce Young has been uh, easily the most valuable player that Alabama could ever have with his moxie, his ability to throw the ball under pressure and, you know, actually scramble like he has. So if he hadn't been playing, I don't know if this team would be even close to what they are right now. So, uh, and certainly for Will Anderson too, on the other side, just a human wrecking ball on the defense, but New Mexico state, at least they're, a, you know, not a one double a team or they're playing a, probably the close to the worst team in division one. And, I think the line's 52 and a half, uh, a big line, that's for sure. But uh, if I'm Nick Saban, uh, I, I just got to go through this game and not worry about stats and all that and just make sure you play your second, third teams and let the other guys get healthy because uh, you're not going to prove anything going out there and, and trying to run up and down the field against New Mexico State. Get your team ready for Arkansas at home and then uh, finish it up with the Iron Bowl. Coach, I wanted to ask you about Bryce Young because watching throughout the season, I have a few questions with his deep ball accuracy, which I think that's just he's a young quarterback. Obviously, he can make those throws, but it's just the regularity with which he's doing it. The other thing is he doesn't seem like he wants to run. Now, he scrambles, he extends plays, but when I watch him, it doesn't seem like that he wants to run. He'd rather wait and until the very last second and pass the ball. Do you think that that's something that Alabama is going to try to encourage him Hey, you're a really good athlete. Get get out there and gain some yards. You know, it's a real paradox because it, it, it's one of those things that looks like it's there, but at the same time, look who his backups are. These guys have very little, uh, you know, haven't been playing much, and, you, you know, they watch them in practice. I don't know how good they are or not, but they're probably saying don't run unless it's a, just a situation where, you know, you can know you can make it, and they, he slides most of the time. So, I don't know that it's he doesn't want to run as much as maybe he's been coached to stay in the pocket as long as you can. I know when I played, I was scared to death. I didn't want to run. Hell, I was trying to make sure nobody ever hit me. But, uh, you know, maybe they say I wasn't tough, but I could take a lick, but I didn't want to run the ball if I had to, uh, unless I had to. So I would say that's pretty true of most quarterbacks. I mean, that's why they're playing quarterbacks. They're the pretty boys. They like to. Get back there and uh, bounce around, throw the ball, but uh, they're not interested in getting a lot of contact. But as far as Bryce Young down the field, I think sometimes he doesn't use his lower body as much as he needs to. You know, he's a slightly built guy, and you know that's where you generate the power. You know, the hips generate the power. So, but they don't seem to have a lot of like last year. Mac Jones had so many rhythm throws where he was just stepping into the throws every time you know, on time. And now some of these come after he's dodged a guy and then have to get set and reset and throw it off the wrong foot. So I'm sure Brent's got some philosophy about that too, but I don't think he's been as steady in the pocket to really get 
speed under him on some of these deep balls. Some of the balls he throws are ones that guys come open late that really aren't the target because he's jumping around and figures somebody out and then throws it deep. Yep, and when you're been as pressured as much as he's been pressured, that's what happens. And I want to be clear. I'm not saying I think he's afraid to take a hit or anything like that. I, I'm, no. just say, I'm just saying that he's pri he's prioritizing passing is what I say. He's moving around to throw. Like Baker yeah. Mayfield was the same way when he was at Oklahoma. He moved around to throw. Yeah, I think that's the way he's coached. I mean, he's got a pro coach, you know, and, and uh, you know, the, the, those guys – or not ever they don't ever want their quarterback to run unless they have to because you know franchise i mean no well, i mean let them do it tua was the same way jalen hurts was not and so it's just a difference in, in their styles uh the no, other jalen hurts oh just to you know he's like a single wing tailback back there but uh, we can talk about alabama this whole show about what they could do and what they, you know, have done and all that. I mean, the reality is this is not a five-star loaded talent team. Uh, they've only had one guy drafted in the first round on defense since 2018. And, they're, you know, they really don't have the stars. Uh, and I don't count stars like, you know, some recruiting people. I'm talking about first-round guys. Uh, laden on their team. Evan Neal, their left tackle, probably is. Uh, you know, who, who knows what the rest of it. But uh, it's just a team that uh, has got some warts. Any way you look at it, they got some warts on it. Well, I want to talk about Mississippi State kickers uh, because that was a hot topic of the week, thanks to Mike Leach. 11 Central, noon Eastern in Auburn. It's Mississippi State at number 17, Auburn. Uh, that's an ESPN broadcast. And uh, Brent, I actually liked what Mike Leach said. I like to have a group of kickers just so uh, I they can have confidence in them. But but just overall with this game, Auburn coming off of a, a tough offensive performance against Texas A&M, Mississippi State needs to find some confidence too. Somebody needs some good news from this game. I, this is one of the things that these two teams specifically reminded me of how much college football is Forrest Gump-like. It's like a box of chocolates. You really never know what you're going to get. Because you look at Mississippi State under Leach, they haven't won more than two games in a row at any point in the two seasons. And then you look at Bo Nix, who was playing the best football of his career and then went and had the worst passing grade that he's had since his freshman year at Florida. So it's just it's the nature of non-professionals, basically, uh, that exists within football. And, and it's one of those things where – all right, who can now pick themselves up and, and figure it out and move on? Now, we'll say Auburn being at home, like Coach said, that's a big deal for them. Yeah, watching that A&M game, uh, you know, when when they don't – Auburn doesn't get the threat of the run, then the, the, the pass rush really can tee off on uh, Bo and, and do some things. And he had a hard time getting away from these guys like he normally does, you know, Houdini-type things. They really corralled him in the pocket, and then they had a scoop and score that really just broke their necks. I mean, they had no chance after that. But three points is, is not going to win many games. The A&M's uh, struggling on offense, too. I mean, can't make any big plays. They can't get the ball to Wiedemeyer enough. I mean, uh, I don't know what they're doing on offense half the time, but I think part of it's you know, Calzada, I mean, if he if a guy's five yards from him, he throws it like he's 50. And if a guy's 50, he throws it like – I mean, this guy throws a hard ball. I mean, 
not much touch at all. And uh, that's not being critical. It's just being reality. You just got many balls, short balls go through the receiver's hands. And it's like a, you know, unbelievable velocity on it when, and, you know, you need a little more touch. But uh, I think Auburn certainly has overachieved to this point based on, uh, you know, they've beaten the teams they're supposed to. They've lost to the three they should have, Penn State, uh, Georgia, and now these guys. And, you know, they got a great win over Arkansas, which could have gone either way. And uh, other than that, I mean, what have they done, really? I mean. Even historically, Auburn struggles with Mississippi State for whatever reason. If you go back to the, the Cam Newton year, that was a really close game that, that could have sent the season in the opposite direction. It's usually a game that's earlier in the year, but for whatever reason, this one tends to be closer than, than experts think, although the spread is pretty small here. Yeah, I can see Will Rogers in this game, the way uh, way their defense, Auburn's defense, I could see him completing 45 out of 50 for 100 yards. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, just a lot of short balls, and uh, they're not going to get to him. I mean, and uh, I thought we'd see a little bit better running game from that uh, Mississippi State team last week. Uh, they shut them down, you know, pretty good. And then, you know, they, they really didn't do anything the first half and then came back. But, like you know, you missed those field goals. It really hurts you. Uh, I think the big thing here is can Bo Nix generate the offense that uh, Mississippi State's pretty good stopping the run. So, uh this, could, this is definitely either-or game here. I mean, it's hard to pick it. The third noon game at 11 uh, Central time, but this one's in, in the Eastern time zone. On SEC Network Plus, this is Samford at Florida. Brent, we had Chuck Ward on Tuesday, longtime supporter of UGA Sports. Ask the question, can Florida pull the upset? I mean, is anything going on at Florida right now? Nothing going not on there, right? I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of not going well. For them, and and when you and when you think about that, their season in essence was toast. They have Georgia and all the kind of eggs in that basket, and then night game at South Carolina, just like yeah, whatever. And, and you could that's how they played, and it was it's there. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Like Florida State, can they get up to play Florida State? I mean, <laughs> they, hey, they, they got to be Missouri play. before that. Make it into being sixth in the East. <laughs> it's it's just struggle. Struggle, here's struggle, struggle. About, here's the thing: when you make a coaching change during the during the uh, season like that, and we're seeing more and more of it, kind of a CYA type deal. Um, sometimes it really works out for the better. I mean, from the standpoint of uh, the players might rally around this Christian Robinson because he he's easily the best recruiter they got on defense. He's, he's gotten some good players and these guys, you know, feel good about him. So maybe they'll, Hey, let's win it for him. And then I mentioned this uh, yesterday on the uh, fine bomb show, Paul Pasqualoni is a, a very good defensive coach. He's been around college football for a long time. You know, he got his at Syracuse as assistant coach and got the head job when coach Mack retired and did some good things there. And then he, went ahead and got in the pros and, and coached for the Cowboys and then was a D coordinator for the Lions. A, a, a sense of a steadiness to a team.
from a standpoint, the, the, the players look up to him and know that he's been to the dance, so to speak. So that's a kind of a balance between Pasqualoni now on the field coach and Christian Robinson. Offensive line-wise, I don't know the new coach is going to help them. They're not going to get any new players in there. So uh, that was just embarrassing because you saw South Carolina get 11 yards. I'm not talking about 11 uh, I'm, I'm, I am talking about 11. That's the, the next number after 10. It's the one before 12. They had 11 yards going into the fourth quarter against Texas A&M. Texas A&M put in some of the 12th man. They went up in the stands and asked some kids if they wanted to play. And and then South Carolina got about 100 and some yards. But, I mean, but you got to give South Carolina a lot of credit for whatever they did during the off week. They, they rallied around that new quarterback. They did get the ball to those backs and they made yards and it was an impressive win for them. And now they got a really good shot. If they can beat Missouri, uh, boy, they got a chance to go to a bowl. And I would have never thought that watching them against Texas A&M that night. So kudos to them. Uh, but uh, Florida situation, Sanford Bulldogs, you know, they throw the ball. Uh, uh, they really do a good job with it. They, they haven't really done that well this year record wise. So it's a team you ought to be able to get well against. That's for sure. Coach, the joke that I put on Twitter, so I'll just tell it to you here because I know you're not on Twitter that much. Uh, with the way that, that Florida recruits are flipping to Georgia, and even I think two hours ago, a 2023 wide receiver flipped literally from Florida to Georgia in the same post, which is usually they do that in, in separate posts. I said that Kirby Smart should be calling Christian Robinson to see if he wants to be an analyst for the rest of the year just to see if a coach would flip over to Georgia. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. But I don't think Christian's going to do that with a chance for him to earn his Spurs calling the defense. I mean, he's going to be it's going to be like a battlefield promotion, and he's going to get a chance to really show what he can do. I mean, no pressure. I mean, you can't Big time do opportunity. Yeah, he can show what he can do. You know, he had a chance to go to this year, and uh, we'll see what happens. But the thing about people jumping off ship and doing all that. I mean, the reality is for these kids, they're looking at their future. I'm talking about the guys are going to transfer or guys that have committed. And you just don't see a very steady ship right there. It looks like one's getting ready to crash into the, into the, uh, you know, go underwater or if, it, if it's on a lake, it's getting ready to hit the dock. So uh, they got to steady it up. And, uh, you know, if they can, went out and go seven and five, then maybe go to the Poulin Weed Eater Bowl or something like that. But we'll see what happens to them. But I don't feel sorry for Florida, I can tell you that, because um, they wouldn't feel sorry for Georgia. So, let's. hey, I got some friends on that staff. I hope they get keep their job. But uh, as long as they – I mean, nothing else I could say about that, really. Well, let's talk about Georgia because it's the CBS game of the week. CBS chose – a ranked versus an unranked team over a ranked team versus a ranked team. But I think that's because they wanted the top team in the land, the Georgia Bulldogs, on its air one more time before the end of the season. So 3.30 on CBS, number one ranked Georgia at Tennessee. We know that raucous environment, Brent. We know that fast-paced offense. Coach and I did our preview on Tuesday. What are you seeing from this? Because you, you texted me beforehand and you said, hey, I got a take on this one. I, this game to me is the most fascinating game of Georgia's schedule. And, and independent of the SEC championship game, by the way. Be and the reason I say that is because of the style. Because of the style with which Tennessee plays. 
and the speed of which they run their offense and the way they stretch you and where literally receivers are like giving the coach a high five because they're lined up on the sideline and you know, right by the sideline, how much they stretch you horizontally, how much they throw it vertically. Like you look at him and hookers pass chart. He has about 62% of his attempts almost. Yeah. About, it's right at 62% less than 10 yards. The rest of them are basically 20 yard plus because that middle of the field, especially on the outside, I think he has five or six attempts total that are outside the numbers, you know, in the middle areas of the field. It's either they are truly like the modern NBA of football. It's I'm taking layups, i.e. running game, quick screen, stuff that's behind the line of scrimmage, or I'm taking deep shots or I'm take, taking threes. And it's just going to be fascinating to watch because of Georgia's defense and obviously the things that they we know about them and what they can do against that tempo, against all of it. But the, the point that you made and the thing that you mentioned, my thought. It's called a tease in the broadcast industry. I'll yes, it's a great it tease. For you. Great tease. How many career 300-yard passing games does Mr. Stetson Bennett have? That would be zero. I think that street, I think that ends this weekend. I think, and I think what you're going to see in terms of how Georgia plays offensively, how much respect they have for Tennessee's offense. Because I think they're going to just keep the foot on the gas offensively and get into the 40s and maybe even 50 points. Yeah, you know, one thing I wish you'd clarify, because I didn't understand you were saying about five passes, you know, over the middle, are most of their deep balls outside the hashes? Yeah, he's just he basically in that 10 to 20, that intermediate area, the sort of mid-range game in the NBA and in college and basketball. They avoid it. Football here now. Let's don't talk NBA. <laughs> where where are they throwing it? The hashes or, or inside? Where are they throwing? It's it's basically hey everything within 10, 10 yards or less or down the field. Down in the, the field in, in the middle of the field or toward the sideline. The they'll hit down the field in the middle. They'll hit down the field on the side. They'll hit down the field okay. on, on the left side. But that okay. sort of they avoid these outer intermediate areas like the plague. Well, the one thing about their defense, they've given up a lot of plays over the middle, particularly the last two weeks. Uh, you know, they've given up almost 500 yards um, to people. So the thing that really is for Tennessee's defense is they play uh, their, their front people are big, they're mobile, and they can interchange them. And, you know, they'll uh, give Georgia's offensive line some uh, issues because they, they really do twist a lot and give you some pressures. But – it's going to boil down to can Georgia get lined up and, and fast enough and get their pressures because th this guy's been sacked. He's was sacked five times by Kentucky. So we can get after him, but it, it's a different game for Georgia without Anderson. Though. I mean, he, he's, he's going to be hard to replace. It didn't really matter against Missouri, but I'm just telling you a guy with his effectiveness can rush the passer, can drop off, can take on the run. They're going to have to come up with some new ways, uh, maybe putting Quay Walker out there some and, and put, putting their best seven on the field because, to me, he's a, a better athlete, better player than Bill, although Bill's a good player. So I could see some of that. But th it's a game where, uh, you know, you got you got to go challenge your, your team. Say, look, we got to – we're going to be – we're going to go on against a good football team, and I gave Hype a lot of credit. So uh, – but I think Georgia's offense should – line up and do some really good things coach another guy you might see if you're looking for that top end pursuit and that top end speed is Channing Tindall do a lot of what you're saying is maybe you get him and Quay Walker together on the field 
Yeah, you could. Well, I was saying we would have Quay move out there and still have Channing come in for him, and and uh, we have Channing and uh, Nicobe in. Uh, you know, we've always had different kind of reuse personnel, and it's not necessarily three down linemen and four outside backers. I mean, they move move it around. Uh, they have all kind of stuff, but I think the other thing is is how many penalties will we get with the ball in the air because we really haven't had that many uh, contested plays this year. Uh, I think you're going to see more, like he said, uh, more deep balls, and hopefully we don't get pass interference. That's just as bad as a completion. So uh, sometimes you've been playing so aggressive and you're always ahead of the sticks and you you know what to do. But now down distance-wise, our corners are going to have to play smart. Tennessee's this is five and four overall, three and three in the conference. And so to me, Brent, I, I think Tennessee's playing with a bit of house money here when you think of where they were in the offseason, the roster turnover they've had. They've already overperformed what I think the expectations were, at least externally. So the, the, I think that's why when you hear some of the, the more Dooley or Munson style Georgia fans, if they have nerves, it's just because you're going to Knoxville against the team that has more belief than most people thought it would. Yes, and that's and what's amazing. What's even more amazing about that in this game is that you know, they could go and have four, three, and outs really quick, and Georgia could go score three out of four times and be twenty-one nothing like that, and or they hit a big player too, and it's a game, and it's hey, maybe Georgia actually is trailing, you know, for for first time really trailing like seven or ten or something like that in a game. It's just that's what's amazing about this game to me, and I'm thoroughly just fascinated to watch this game, and I, I think because of the contrasting styles. But I do think, like I said, I think like Coach said, I think Georgia's going to be able to do what they want offensively. Uh, I think the most number of plays Georgia's had in a game this year is 77 at Vandy. Kentucky just had 99 or 100 or something like that. I, I think they definitely beat that in terms of number of plays and get, and get some three and outs and and do what they want. And But still, in ter- Tennessee's not going to stop. They're not going to stop coming. And he's not going to care. He's going to keep taking his shots. Now I want to know what the over-under is for this game. Heupel's uh, had, uh, you know, they've lost to some three-ranked teams, Pittsburgh, Alabama, and Ole Miss, and played them all. The only game they really played and that they lost, played very poorly, was against Florida, and they really weren't situated as far as quarterback play at that point. But the thing that their team has done is they've gotten better. They can line up quicker without stopping themselves, lining up wrong or having motion penalties. And uh, – that's helped them immensely, but uh, this is going to be a challenging game for Georgia, no question about it. And uh, the fans been waiting a long time. You know, you saw what they got, what kind of crowd they had for the Ole Miss game. I'm sure it'll be a, a slobber knocker type deal. I just hope we don't have to have anything happen like at the end of the last game up there. But it'll be a challenging game for Georgia for sure. 56 points is the over-under over yeah well hard hard to tell what will happen there but uh think about georgia's offense that you know their stats are a little skewed a little bit they never have been in uh, where the first team offense much has been playing fourth quarter i mean they have you know so maybe they'll run a lot more plays they're in control where they don't have to again but they really haven't uh hardly ever thrown the ball at all in the fourth quarter or done anything except well, they two games. They watched the other team. We saw uh, Kentucky keep the ball for 
11 minutes. And then last week, uh, Coach Drinkowitz was trying to go down there and kick another field goal, but uh, he finally ended up trying to score a touchdown. But uh, just I had to throw that in there. <laughs> he's, he's trying for another field goal right now. Uh, before we get to South Carolina and Missouri, which is our next game, I do want to talk about our friends over at Connor Grading and Landscaping, our season-long sponsor of Around the League. And if you want to get your home tailgate set up to be the envy of the neighborhood, then you need to call Connor Grading and Landscaping or check them out at connorgrading.com. If you're a business owner and you're thinking about we need a, a, an upgraded facility, we need a little more room to do what we have going on. I saw recently over on their Facebook page, they were working on uh, a, a business project to help a company get started, do a little earth moving and, and get that going quicker uh, than, than maybe some of the other projects that they've had done before. So Connor Grading and Landscaping, really the best in the business up here. They're based in Monroe. They're Georgia fans. And we wouldn't tell you to check them out and use their services if they weren't approved by us and Brent Rollins, you've had him work on your house. We talk about it almost every week and your house looks good, even with all the rain that's happened. Uh, and, and that's with you taking care of it, not them. Then that's and that and me taking care of it. Not well, <laughs> I need to do a better job. <laughs> that, that means they did a good job the first time yes, and gave you 100%. something great to work with. So check out Connor grading and landscaping. Tell them that you heard about Mike Connor uh, from your friends, Jim Donnan, Brent Rollins and Dane Young. And uh, tell them you heard about it from around the league. Four o'clock on the SEC network, we have South Carolina at Missouri. Brent, the Battle of the Columbias seems to always bring a bit of unknown. It's probably no different this year. Yeah, and what you got with South Carolina is just, like Coach said, it's an amazing story. So Mr. Jason Brown transferred from St. Francis, which I did not know was an FCS school in Pennsylvania. They're in the Northeast Conference, and their mascot is the Red Flash. Didn't know any of that. Didn't know where any of that guy came from. And then the guy goes and has a 76 passing grade and almost 80% adjusted completion percentage against Florida. So, you know, it was an amazing game for them. Good good vibes. Coach Beamer has things going well. They finally got Kevin Harris the ball, his first 100-yard game of the season. So, hey, it's this is this the this is the time for them to take advantage of that. But what do you got to do now? You got to go on the road to the other Columbia. Yeah, you're going there and play the Missouri Tigers, and uh, Missouri kind of a wounded team, a little bit lost the quarterback, Basilak. But I was impressed with uh, Macon, the, the first quarterback they played. I was really kind of shocked that they took him out of the game after he took the team down there and, you know, got three points. Uh, the other guy came in, you know, more of a pitcher maybe. But that, that's Coach Drink's call. I mean, he's got to put in who he wants. But the guy gives you a, little, a really good threat with his uh, – ability to run the ball to uh, accentuate the good back they have. And their defense kind of sold the ranch and did a pretty good job against the run against Georgia, but they really very poor team on pass defense when they do that. So you kind of pick your poison. I don't know if South Carolina can throw like our quarterbacks did, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But it's just going to be one of those games where both teams are fighting to, to prove that they're SEC teams and, one of them's coming off a bad loss, and one of them's coming off, uh, I mean, a euphoric win for uh, Beamer and his team. Going into the season, you know, playing games you could win. Well, we can probably beat East Carolina. We can beat Troy, you know, hopefully Vanderbilt, pick something off Tennessee. But they didn't. And beat Florida? I mean, come on. So that was a, a humongous win. They still got 
Missouri and they got uh, Clemson coming up, uh, you know, playing for the state championship. So it's, it's a big, big week. And if they get bowl eligible, there's no telling what they'll be talking about over there in Columbia. Well, Coach, the other Columbia, Missouri, four wins right now with games left against South Carolina, Florida, and Arkansas. If Missouri loses to South Carolina, it looks like a, a tough road to get a bowl game. Yeah, I think uh, certainly they, they got to go play at Arkansas. Uh, they came back a miracle win last year against Missouri, uh, against Arkansas. I mean, you know, they came back down 14 points with like four minutes to go and won the game in regulation. So uh, Barry Odom on his homecoming game just fell fell flat there in the fourth quarter. But uh, th this Arkansas team right now, Playing with a lot of confidence. I mean, really, uh, you know, all of a sudden, it's nothing like playing uh, that that team in the state. What was the name of that Arkansas team they played? Pine Bluff. Arkansas Pine like Bluff. Playing Arkansas Pine Bluff to get yourself a little more confidence, and then they come back with the the next win, uh, you know, against Mississippi State. So, uh, you know, they're bowl eligible now, and the job by Coach Pittman. Uh, I still can't figure out offensively sometimes what they're trying to do. I mean, you know, they they look like they're running the ball good and then they throw it and then they're throwing it good and then they run it and they put their defense in a lot of harm's way. But uh, I don't know if those two teams go on the same bus to a game. Uh, <laughs> looks like two, nobody's coordinated offense and the defense, what they're doing to me. Well, we'll stick. Go ahead, Brent. I was just going to say this, you know, the South Carolina, Missouri, and then Arkansas, all these, all these teams that are kind of in the middle to the bottom tier of the SEC. I think if you look moving forward, those teams, whether the, if they want to take a step up, it's not just now a combination or how you recruit because Georgia and Alabama and A&M and LSU and, you know, those, the traditional powers are going to recruit better than you. How well you manage both recruiting and then also the transfer portal is going to show, hey, how can I – that's going to make you take that next leap into maybe a 10-win team to a second or a third-place team in a, in a division. The, other than that, like, if you don't – if you don't manage the transfer portal well from those schools, you're not going to have success on a sustained basis. And I think you see that, hey, like Beamer might be up one year and then back down to four wins the next year and then back up to six or seven, depending upon how they manage the transfer portal. Here's the other thing, too um... – you got in-state players that normally are going to give at least a shot to that school, to Arkansas, to South Carolina. I mean, they're going to at least look at you because they grew up being a Razorback or a South Carolina Gamecock. And all of a sudden, if you start getting a little success, then it's a lot easier for maybe those guys to flip and come with you as compared to, hey, you're just getting drubbed. Uh, you know, I'm going to go to a place that's winning. And you're seeing that a little bit with Arkansas with some in-state kids that are seeing the, seeing the light here. I mean, the coach, coach has shown them that they can win, and, you know, especially early with the wins that they had over A&M and uh, Texas. So now uh, maybe you see the same thing with South Carolina because Clemson's faltering a little bit. Maybe they can get one or two guys that are in-state that are up for grabs and, and, and start getting some better players. But – you know, let's let's just face it. I mean, their their talent level is not very good. I mean, they they won that game 
desire and he just took the momentum and you know basically florida looked like a team that was it really didn't want to be out there so uh, but you got to use those as a you know building and say look we're in our first year this is what we're doing we hey come join us you got a chance to play and play for your state university well and at some point texas and oklahoma are joining the sec so whatever positive momentum you can get, because that may be next year if if people get their contracts situated, it could be three or four years from now, and we don't have the answer to that. But any positive momentum helps, is all I'm saying to get to yep. that. We were on Arkansas. Let's stick there for the uh, first of our trio of night games, 7.30 Eastern time, 6.30 Central on the SEC Network. It's number 25 ranked Arkansas at LSU. Brent, LSU played Alabama tough, just didn't quite get it done. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I think Max Johnson had been pressured so much that he just it, it he got rid of the ball just sooner than he really needed to a lot of times in that game. And you look over his last five games, he has a fifty-one, a fifty-four passing grade since Kayshawn Booth went out, fifty-two passing grade. Like it's just he needed some good vibes, and there, there was a few plays that he could have made, and that it, both his receivers could have made that really would have put them over the top uh, against Alabama. But still, yet yeah, he's got to start playing better. And I think I even saw where you know, the Nussmeyer kid might even get some snaps uh, for them. So who knows what's with them offensively. But you know, what was interesting is you know, we talked about it last week and we asked Coach, hey, Coach O saying all these things are going to change. And we did all these things and we're too predictable and we're too this. Well, guess what? They actually did them and did them well against Alabama and changed completely who they were. And it worked out quite well for them. Yeah, they, they sold the ranch on defense and they really kept, you know, took advantage of uh, Alabama's situation with the center going out and just, uh, you know, like they couldn't get the ball off or run the ball. The rushing game was awful. But, uh, you know, it's a big game for uh, both teams. I mean, all of them are big, but, you know, they'd like to send Coach O out with, uh, you know, a rousing finish here and see what he can do. And then, of course, Arkansas has got a lot of good things going for it. I mean, their defense uh, makes you beat them. I mean, you got to go out there and execute. And if you can't, you're not going to move the ball consistently because they just sit there and say, here we are. You know, uh, you got to hit hit it on us. So we'll see what happens. I don't think it's all Max Johnson's fault on offense. But, no. uh, you know, a lot of times the, the public wants to look at another guy just to see what he can do. And that's Myers, you know, a good young player, but I think he'll have a hard time. We'll see how that works out. But, uh, I think LSU, system. LSU, when you look at them to the wire games that they've lost, it's just, you know, they've been really close and, uh, they've lost some that's really bad too. So, uh, they could be Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde this week. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And Max with, I think their system really, in terms of the answers that they don't have uh, offensively. And if you look at it, really look at it, their system, it's it's not what it should be. But two, what's going for them and what helps them, Arkansas is 0-2 in true road games at Georgia, at Ole Miss, and this one is in the bayou. So that is going for them. At night as well, which is always the toughest thing about playing at LSU. Uh, at 7 o'clock on ESPN2, we have Kentucky at Vanderbilt. And uh, I really don't know what to say about this one as much, Brent, other than uh, Kentucky's going to you know, fill someone else's stadium, which they don't often get to do. All right, Kentucky, you lost three straight. Go go pick yourself up. Go win. Go dominate this game. 
go win three straight to finish your year, go feel good about yourself as, as you end your season and move on. Like, like that's, you just have, you have to do that if you are, you know, if you want to be a, you know, that second one in the, within the, uh, within the SEC East. I did see Vanderbilt earlier this year had its win over UConn. UConn hired Jim Mora as its new head coach, which uh, you must really want to coach. You get a former NFL coach for a program, but I think most people were surprised is still active at this point with uh, as apathetic as they have seemed to have been at UConn. He must really want a coach or he might need the paycheck. Who knows? <laughs> Either one. Uh, maybe, maybe he's got people in Connecticut. I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know, but that would be one job I would maybe just not want to take. I, I will yeah. say for as much hype as I gave Kentucky earlier this year for they've got a shot at 11 and one and they totally had a shot at it. Now they sit here at six and three, four and three in the SEC. It's funny how after you get more information, more opportunities to play, these things kind of balance themselves out. Yeah. And I think that kind of like that just shows you about this con the depth of the conference and just how week after week and like, look what Ole Miss is going through right now. And if they don't recruit at a really high level and going through the gauntlet that they have, like it's just, it's taxing versus, you know, some other conferences where you have weeks where it's not as taxing. We lost coach's feed here for a second. I'm just assuming he had no interest in talking Vanderbilt football. And I mean, uh, frankly, can't blame he's, him. The, he's the wisest of the group, if that is the case. Uh, so we'll bypass those thoughts. I, I'll give him the opportunity if he hops back in here. Uh, if he's just got some burning Vanderbilt thoughts, I don't think many do. I doubt fine. he does. Uh, 7 o'clock on ESPN. This is 6 Central Time, final game of the week for us to chat about. It is number 11, Texas A&M, against number 15, Ole Miss. And when I look at this, Brent, I say Texas A&M obviously needs a little help from Alabama or whoever's playing Alabama, Auburn, I guess, yeah. um, to be most likely to beat Alabama. But A&M still got a little path here. I mean, it, it feels kind of like Georgia a few years ago where – you're a really good team. You may not make it to your conference championship, but you're probably going to be end up with an opportunity to, to be ranked in the top five at the end if you keep this momentum. Yeah, and this is one where, like, much like Kentucky, like we just talked about, where you know, go handle your business. Like you got this game at Ole Miss, and then you go to at LSU after a you know cakewalk game prior to LSU. But go handle that business. Go put the pressure on, and be interesting to see. By the way, because I, I didn't know like the. Do that last week if they do win out and does you know does Auburn or Alabama do they sew it up and all the timing aspects of when someone is going to know that hey this is the the east is a, or the west is there for the taking but go put the pressure on go put the pressure on Alabama go win this game but from Ole Miss's perspective AM knows who they are they're going to get the ball that's Devin A chain and Isaiah Spiller 30 to 5 to 40 times a game you got to tackle them and Ole Miss went from improving defensively a little bit here, a little bit there, and, and doing some things defensively to missing 25 tackles against Liberty. Like it was their lowest graded tackling since the 22, since the game against Alabama last year where they gave up like almost 800 yards. So big, big step back for them defensively from a tackling perspective. So if they, if they, want, if they do that, they'll give themselves a chance in this game. If not, I think A&M takes care of business. And we've got Coach back Perfect with us. Perfect timing. Coach. It's perfect timing. Bad weather here around the Donnan house. Uh, sorry about that. But I just thought you didn't want to talk about Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> Vanderbilt 
Vanderbilt's had a chance to get their stuff together here. You know, Kentucky on a three-game losing streak. I mean, you, you just never know in that game. But uh, Kentucky just uh, – even though they had the ball a lot and made a lot of first downs, I mean, to have that many plays, they only averaged six yards a play on over 90 plays. But, you know, that, that gives you 600 yards. But they didn't make a lot of explosive plays. So, But they Vanderbilt's a team they can do it on. So – Who's the other game we got? A&M and uh, – A&M and Ole Miss. That's what we're on now. Has uh, my boy already broken it down for you? Ole Miss has got a tackle, Coach. They had they missed 25 tackles against Liberty last week. Had their worst tackling grade game since the Alabama game last year where they gave up, you know, forever number of yards. So, if they want to stay in this game, they got to tackle. Yeah, and A&M's looking at – you know, they were licking their chops. They thought that Alabama was going to lose, and they were right there in the SEC championship game. So, uh, they got, uh, you know, a lot to play for, and and certainly uh, their defense just has played lights out. They're going to get challenged by Corral. But uh, this Ole Miss defense has overachieved all year, but uh, for them to be be good, like you say, they got to get off the field when they got a chance to make plays. And this uh, Texas A&M offense is going to, you know, run the ball effectively and really mix in some good play action passes. So I'm – He's surprised AM doesn't win this game. I want to begin ending these shows, which again, thanks to Connor Grading and Landscaping for making this possible for us over at UGASports.com. Check them out at ConnorGrading.com. I want to end our shows for, for the rest of, of when we're doing this, because this is a show that happens uh, during the season. I want to end it with, with a quick conversation on the college football playoff deal, because now is when this stuff really matters. And so I think when you start seeing a Cincinnati just outside of that window right there, I think ranked at number five. All that needs to happen is one team above them get knocked off and Cincinnati keep on winning. So, Brent, when you see the rankings come out, and I know there was the wonky thing with Michigan over Michigan State, is there anything that caught your eye in, in terms of, all right, th this is beginning to kind of set the table for what we have here over the next three weeks? Uh, the thing, that, there's two things I think about. One, the longer Georgia stays that one, the harder it is for them to go from, say, one to five. And then two, what are they going to do with Oklahoma after this week? Because Oklahoma's got a nice, nice game at Baylor. And, you know, if they take care of business there, how do they go ahead and then jump ahead of Cincinnati? Because there's basically have said, Oklahoma, you haven't done anything in terms of playing anyone and looking the part yet. That's to me what I, what I want to see after this week. Yeah, I think when you look at the playoff picture, Oklahoma kind of holds all the cards as being the, the extra team because Oregon just went out. Uh, we, we'll see what happens with Alabama. Look, once Alabama loses, if they do in a championship game, there's no way you're going to get in with two losses uh, anymore. Uh, so uh, Oklahoma, though, has got Baylor uh, uh, at Baylor, Iowa State at home, and then play Oklahoma State in the Bedlam game. And we'll play one of the other – one of those three in a championship game if they win all three. So uh, their schedule sets up to leapfrog Cincinnati. I mean, I don't see Cincinnati getting in unless all of a sudden Alabama, Oregon lose Ohio State. Uh, you know, w we'll see what happens with Ohio State. But uh, right now they, they got it like they want it, the committee. Uh, it's up to Ohio State to win the Big Ten. It's up to Oklahoma to win the Big 12. And it's up to Georgia to beat Alabama and knock them out. And then you got 
you got what you you know what they're looking at is uh, Ohio State, Oregon, uh, Oklahoma, and Georgia. Well, so let's do it this way. I'm, I'm going to start a list here, and we'll review it every week. Teams that you think have a legitimate path to the playoff. Now, that means that, that they're still in this. So we're going to kind of treat this like an eliminator, and we'll revisit it every week. The top four are obvious contenders. So I'm going to go one by one, and you guys tell me if you think they can make the playoff with what's in front of them. Cincinnati. No. Yes. All right, that's enough for me to put them on here, and then we'll revisit next week. I I think so. I, I'm with Brent. Uh, Michigan. I don't think so. I just think I already got one loss. Probably going to get one or two more. Brent, you think so? I think they can because if they run, if they run the table. Yeah. If and, they run the table and they're the one-loss Big Ten champ. Well, I mean, hell, we can say if and buts and candy and nuts and all that stuff. I thought we were just going to say – what the, whether, whether they could or couldn't. Okay, I'm going to say Cincinnati can if, if, if. I'm, I'm <laughs> demonstrative here. Y'all are just talking out of both sides of your mouth here now. What's the deal? Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> right, so if, if, if we want to do like prediction, then I think no, Cincinnati will not be in the playoff. I, I, I treat it like an eliminator coach of saying – Well, explain it to me. You're the, you're the guy in the – All right, we're, we're going to come up with a list of teams – that could possibly make the playoff. So, like, if you look at it now, I, I don't think Ole Miss can make the playoff anymore. Like, there's no path. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what, what I'm, I'm trying to figure out, how many teams are actually in the running for this thing? Uh, okay, let's – we can What, do the top that. nine? Is it the top uh, nine? Michigan State. I don't see Michigan State making it. Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma will make it. No I Good. no, I don't. I mean, if carnage happens and Notre Dame's sitting there, as you know, if like Cincinnati loses, and I, I don't know, but I don't think so. And I think their past performance would be like nobody wants to see it, kind of thing. But I, they're still hanging around. That it ends at them, I think. Oklahoma State? No, it. Uh, I don't think so. Oklahoma State has a shot just because of. They can run the table and beat Oklahoma, but, you know, I, I don't see it myself. And then Texas A&M, I think, is where the cutoff is, right? There's there's no path for them unless Alabama loses to Auburn. I mean, I guess if A&M were to find its way to Atlanta and win, it, that gets a little weird. No. Yeah, conference champion, that helps you, no question. So, so thing, essentially what I'm saying yeah, is – The thing Brent brought up is Georgia – and margin of victory has been so good. If they continue to get the margin of victory, they can, you know, they can cement themselves even with a loss to Alabama because their teams, they're not beating any teams now that are ranked. I mean, the ones that were ranked when we played them, but they're not going to be ranked anymore. I mean, we needed Auburn and Kentucky to win out. So I, I think this is, I mean, this, this is part of the show and all, but uh, to me, this is kind of frustrating. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I know I know what you're trying to do there, and I'm, I want to accommodate you, but I think we'd be better off just every week saying who the four are going to be. But you, you're just saying if you got a chance, you got a chance. Okay, that's it. You're the moderator. <laughs> well, that's going to be the, the the wrap on this show, and then uh, in production meetings that we don't have, that we'll <laughs> uh, we'll we'll fix it how we want to. Uh, thanks everyone for watching around the league from UGAsports.com. Uh, it's presented by our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday for uh, the next week of SEC football, and we'll get you ready for that then. Thanks for listening.